Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. It's good to see you. Glad you're here. Uh, I, I can't wait to dive into the next of our psalms for our Summer Psalm series. We started this last week, and we looked last week at Psalm 8, which was an incredible psalm. If you remember, it was a psalm where, a psalm of perspective, we called it, where it was kind of David's attempt to kind of look back and look up at God. And we were just kind of astounded by some of the things that he shared with us. And uh, today is another psalm where we get to see so many layers and levels of God's incredible provision for us. However, today is also a psalm that's going to leave us in tension a little bit. Because this psalm that we're looking at today calls us to do something that we don't like to do. <laughs> but it also tells us uh, why we should have this practice as a regular practice in our lives. So we're looking at Psalm 32 today. Uh, David is the author of this psalm, and I'm looking forward to getting into it. But uh, I want to show you, many of you know, as a way to kind of enter into our, our, our psalm today, many of you know uh, that my family recently got a puppy. And this is our puppy. And our puppy's name is Forrest. And as you can see, Forrest loves Christina. And I'm trying to train him out of that so that he likes me better. And uh, that's going well. No, he really, Forrest really does love Christina. But as you know, we're working hard to train our dog. And as you know, if you've ever had an animal, sometimes you just don't know quite what to expect. Animals, especially when they're young and learning, can be really stubborn, right? <laughs> have you ever had a stubborn animal? Let me ask you this question. Are, have you ever been stubborn yourself? <laughs> if you have been, or I can see some looks, if you have been, then you're going to be able to understand well uh, the psalm that we're looking at. Because we'll get back to it as we kind of come to the end of our time together. But uh, David uses the idea of a stubborn animal to really help us understand one of the things that we should do as we're looking at Psalm 32. So Psalm 32 uh, I, like I said, is a, is a psalm of David, and we're going to read it. It's 11 verses, uh, and you know, D David does know something about stubborn animals. He was a shepherd, right? And so uh, he uses that, that metaphor really well. So we're going to, Psalm 32, we're going to read it. If you want to open up in your Bibles or in, on your device, but it will also be on the screen. I'm going to read the whole thing for us. Psalm 32, it starts like this. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. 
The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit or a bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Isn't that a great psalm? I love that psalm. And Pastor Holly and I were talking this last week. There's quite a journey from the beginning to the end of these 11 verses. And it's really great to be able to enter in and understand more of what David is saying. Psalm 32 is often called a happy psalm, a psalm of blessing, which I find a little interesting because it, it asks us to do something we really don't like doing very often, which is confession, right? But it is through this kind of disciplined uh, action of relationship with God and a relationship with other people where we can find and experience the freedom and blessing and happiness that we were designed for in and through Jesus. So it starts in verses 1 through 5, uh, which deal with the way to find this happiness. And like we've said here, it's confession. But we don't only see confession, we also see the outcome of that practice, which is forgiveness and peace and freedom. And isn't that something that we all want? So today's going to be real practical. Today's a, this is a practical, important step in what it means to follow Jesus. And I like the psalm because it gets real about our emotional and spiritual realities real fast. That's one of the things that we talked about uh, last week as, as we started diving into the psalms is that the psalms really show us this authentic expression of what human spirituality looks like. And we see humanity relating with God in ways that are sometimes surprising. Remember we, we said sometimes in the psalms we read that and like you can't say that to God. <laughs> but they do and I'm thankful that they do because we can relate to that. Confession as a spiritual practice is important, but it's something that's very difficult for us to do. I think it's even, it's difficult for us to do just with God, but it's certainly difficult for us to do with other people. One of the things, as if you've been uh, a part of our church for some time, you know we have a discipleship pathway. Steps that we think are important and necessary in following Jesus. The first one is called biblical teaching. And what we say around that is as you engage with the Bible and as you engage with Jesus, what's going to happen is he's going to unsettle us, right? He's going to leave us a little bit uncomfortable as he challenges or confronts or reveals to us ways in which we're not following him. We're saying that leaves us unsettled, but we also say that's okay. We want to be unsettled because we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus and with other people. This is one of those moments where maybe this psalm leaves us a little bit unsettled as it asks us questions we might not want to answer. So I will just encourage you to say that's okay. We're going to let the Lord speak to us and we're going to respond to him in those appropriate ways as we come closer to the Lord. So, but God invites us to this kind of a relationship where confession uh, is a normal aspect of our interaction with him. What that means is we have to have, we have to be willing to humble ourselves, to come to the Lord, to have some uh, humility and authenticity and even self-awareness about some of the stuff that's going on in our life. And that can be very difficult. 
But I also want us to notice that these verses show us that there is actually an incredible benefit to this practice, this incentive of confession, which is forgiveness and peace. So the first thing I want us to notice about the psalm is that the psalm calls us to confess and receive forgiveness. The main point in verses 1 and 2 simply is that to be forgiven is a very happy condition. Wouldn't you agree? It is such a good place to be. We talk about this often when we talk about following Jesus. When we, we understand that we are broken people and in need of the Lord's uh, presence in our life. And we come to him recognizing our sin. He forgives us. And that, that experience of forgiveness, that experience of God's salvation is such an incredible experience. It's what we were made for. So I, th- I know many of us have had that type of experience when it comes to our, just the beginning part of our relationship with God. But th- we have the promise of this type of reality as we continue to come to the Lord and confess. So let me ask you this. How healthy is your confession routine with the Lord? How healthy is your confession routine with other people? That one's maybe a little bit more difficult. It's another part of our discipleship process. The third step of our discipleship process is that we want to connect with each other, right? Where we, we are saying that it's really important that we make space in our lives for close personal relationships that are going to help us be more like Jesus. So do you have that kind of relationship group, that friendship group where you're known and you feel comfortable coming and saying, you know what? I'm struggling with this, or I need help with this. And then we can support and encourage each other and continue to point each other toward the Lord. So how healthy are your your confession routines or maybe your systems of confession in your spiritual life? Here David wants to make sure that there's a, he wants to make sure that we know that there's a lot on the line here. Look at Psalm 32 verses 3 through 5 and he says this. He puts it in the negative first. He says, when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Can you relate to that experience? (laughs) I know I can. Have you ever faced a difficulty in your life? We know, if you know some of David's story, you know that he had some serious things in his life that needed to be confessed and worked through with God all along the way, right? We know part of that story. What we see here, I think, is maybe one of these moments that we talked about where David is dealing with a significant portion of his depression and anxiety that he faced in his life. And I think we can see this in some of these, he describes what it feels like. And I think in some way David is saying, you know what? Don't try to conceal your sin from God. Don't try to hide your guilt because it feels like this. This massive weight that hangs heavy on you that you can't get out of and causes all of these other kinds of things to happen in your life. But then David changes it to the positive. Here's what he says. Finally, he says, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And then, this is the weighted part of this, these verses, right? This is where we really need to pay attention. This is what David's driving toward. And you forgave me, exclamation point. Isn't that great? Thank you, Lord. And all my guilt is gone. Oh, that's like a deep sigh, just a deep breath. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for me. And it's all an incredible gift. 
I love the way that there's this tension that we're feeling. There's this action we're being called to. I don't know if I want to do it. (laughs) So oftentimes what we try to do is we try to hide and conceal and cover up. But the outcome of that doesn't feel very good. And then David in two quick sentences, the weight of this, these couple of verses describes for us what the feeling of forgiveness and freedom can be like in, in Jesus. Look at the joy that we see in this verse. The person who does not hide their sin but confesses them to God will find tremendous happiness. The happiness of a clean conscience and peace with God. Did you know that the word happiness, that's what the word blessed means in, the, in this language here? Is someone who's happy. And the way that, that you experience that is this ongoing, open relationship with God. Here I am, God. This is the mess that is me, right? I need your help. I want to experience this happiness, this blessedness, this forgiveness, this forgiveness and peace. That's one of the things that the Lord gives us in this type of an ongoing kind of practice is peace. And the kind of peace that the Lord gives is not just relief, right? It's much, much deeper than that. It's, it's peace that we don't understand but that we're in, a, in a way where everything is made right with God. It's incredible. This is kind of real practical kind of following Jesus kind of stuff, right? So I think we could possibly just stop right there. And that's enough for us to think about for the rest of the week. Maybe for weeks to come. But like I said, this psalm just keeps going. And what we begin to recognize is the Lord has so much for us here. It almost feels overwhelming. A bit like last week's Psalm, Psalm 8, where David just kept reminding us of all the levels at which God is just incredible. So we're not going to stop. We're going to let the Psalm continue to pile on and speak to us. It says this in verse 6, Therefore let all the godly pray uh, to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. Anytime you see in scripture a, a, the therefore word, you need to pay attention because it's a really important connecting piece. It means that what you're about to hear is going to help connect ideas that are important or actions that are important. It's going to call us to something. So we need to pay attention. If this great blessedness and happiness and peace follow the act of prayer and confession, then you need to do that. And what are you waiting for, essentially, is what David is saying here, right? For goodness sakes, he says, let's pray and let's do it right now. David says the forgiveness and peace of God is so good, you really don't want to wait another minute. Listen to this story that I read this week from a study in the book, on the book of Psalms from a person named Dee Pierce, who is an administrator at Wheaton College, and she writes this. After living a life far from God during most of my 20s, uh, when I became a mother in my 30s, I found my way back to the church and Jesus. Life was good now, right? Not quite. In my 40s, I finally had to come face to face with the sin of those early years. The shame I carried for so long was just more than I could bear. God was so good to put me in places where I could process through that where I could fully experience God's love for me, something I'd never been able to imagine. It began in a Bible study when my leader asked us to close our eyes and imagine what it would be like when we first met God in heaven. The tears came quickly. I couldn't even imagine looking upon his goodness. I saw myself turned away, not even able to lay my eyes upon him. 
After some really hard work, a lot of time in scripture, some important conversations, and some providential sermons, I knew I wanted to confess my sin out loud. That tangible act felt really important. And as part of that confession, I read Psalm 32. Those words around God's forgiveness were a balm to my soul. Isn't that great? What a great testimony of what it can be like when we surrender to the Lord and and let him know what's going on. He knows already anyway, right? But it's this active, faithful relationship that takes us another step further with the Lord. So this psalm calls us to confess and receive forgiveness, uh, which is such a good spiritual formation practice. uh, And we need to do that. But then we come to the later parts of verse 6 and 7, and David makes another shift. Uh, And it's an important one. Uh, And this shift, he shifts away from the focus only on confession and forgiveness to more of what we get in and through the Lord. In fact, now what he begins to look at is that we are offered protection from the difficulties of life through this type of relationship. So this psalm calls us to recognize that God gives us protection. Look at the second half of verse 6 and 7. It says, Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble, and you surround me with songs of victory. Isn't that incredible? I, I don't know. As we go through this, I just continue to be overwhelmed at all the Lord offers to us and for us. I know this, this kind of relationship of confession isn't comfortable But if we do that, if we take that step, the Lord says, I will be your hiding place and I will give you protection. Thank you, Jesus. This is incredible. And he said, I will surround you with songs of victory. And I really love that I'll surround you with songs of victory because I think in so many aspects of things that we need to confess, we don't feel victory in those areas, do we? We feel defeated and broken down. And this is where the Lord says, you know what? In me, things are different. And, and this song that surrounds you will never leave. I, we talked last week about how sometimes, all, a lot of times, I play worship music really loud in my office and it just kind of bleeds down the hallway into Pastor Holly's office. And uh, it's really fun. And sometimes it's so good, I'm just like, oh, they're crushing it. You know, it's just really fun. That's kind of this thing right here, this very same idea that the, the songs of victory, the songs of worship in and through the Lord will just flood every aspect of who you are and your life. It's incredible. David wants us to understand that this blessedness of a forgiven person in verses 1 and 2 consists not only in an experience of peace, but also in protection that God now gives each of us in the midst of trouble. And don't we all need that? (laughs) We all do. The last year and a half have been very difficult on a lot of different levels, But the Lord has been with us each and every step of the way and says to us, you know what? I can be your hiding place and I will protect you all along the way. Isn't that good news? That is good news. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Right? (laughs) So as if the incentive of forgiveness and peace wasn't enough, God seems to be again piling it on. So we also get protection, support, a place of hiding. We get God gives us these songs of victory. Uh, and it just, it just keeps going. Uh, we were made to experience this kind of forgiveness and freedom and peace that God gives us. We were made to find our place of protection and rest in God alone. 
And I recognize that uh, it might be hard to begin the process of confessing something that you might, be, you might have tried to hide or something that, that brings shame and guilt. But the, one of the great things is that there can be true uh, and experienced freedom in this process that this psalm talks about here. Like I said, it seems like there's a lot, but the psalm keeps going, and so I want to keep going as well. Um, <clears throat> in the next verse, in verse eight, there's a change of voice, and this is so important for us to notice. It's almost as if God takes the pen from David and writes the next part himself. So uh, let's pay close attention to this next verse. So we've got all of these things already, and then the Lord says, I will guide you along the, ba- the best pathway for your life. I will advise you, and I will watch over you. Did you know that that I will watch over you promise is an Old Testament covenantal promise as well? It's from when God says, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. Woo! Isn't that exciting? That's like goosebump kind of time. That the God of the Old Testament, the creator and sustainer of all life, says to you and to me, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, which takes us back to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, which we didn't talk about last week, but we did talk about a year ago in the last summer psalm series we did, tells us that, that the Lord has directed a pathway for us, the pathway of, the, of those that are righteous and follow wisdom. And it says if you follow that, that kind of pathway, you're going to be like a tree planted right next to the, to the river with roots that go down deep. You're going to get everything you need and you'll be able to produce the fruit that you are always intended to produce. That's where the pathway of the Lord leads. That's what Psalm is, the book of Psalms is telling us. And he says, I'm going to guide you in that way. And I'm going to watch over you. Oh, incredible. What an incredible promise. So this next thing to notice is, not, is, is that not only does God call us to confess and receive forgiveness, not only does the psalm uh, call us to recognize that he gives us protection, but the next thing is that he calls us uh, to recognize that God promised to give us direction. The blessing of the protection in verse 7 is great indeed, but would probably feel a bit incomplete if it were not accompanied by direction. And that's what the Lord promises to give us. Isn't that good news? There's so much good news here in this psalm. Protection with direction, care with counsel. Uh, that, that is the blessing of the person who gives their heart to the Lord and who operates in this regular, open, ongoing, here's me kind of relationship with the Lord. And then we receive that forgiveness and that peace, which is incredible. And then David does something super important here, back to the puppy. <laughs> Remember? And he says, all of this is so great. And this is all for you. But you know what we do a lot? We are like stubborn animals who decide to go our own way, who don't live into the way of the Lord. And he says, don't be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit or a bridle to keep it under control. How many of you can, again, relate to the idea of stubbornness? (laughs) How many of you have done that in your own walk with the Lord? I know your promises. I know the way I should go. But you know what? I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to go pull on this leash. You're not getting me to come where I'm supposed to go, right? Do you know how a bit and a bridle work? 
right? The bit and bridle are, are placed in the mouth of the animal and uses pressure to guide the animal in the direction that the owner wants it to go. But if the animal is too stubborn, maybe you know this, and it resists the, the pressure of the bit and the bridle, there's possibly some pain that comes along the way with that. David, recognizing this, says, don't do that. <laughs> there's a much better way. And so now we have a choice in that. How am I going to live this relationship with the Lord? Maybe we should try to picture God's people as a farmyard of all sorts of animals where God cares for his animals and, and he, he shows them where they should go. He gives them food and water. He provides a barn for their protection. Uh, and now, you know, the way that the Lord, that God likes to get his animals to the barn is to, uh, for their food and safety, is to call them by name. We have a God who has gracious invitations and who knows us so, so intimately. Look at Isaiah 40, 30, 43, verse 1. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. So we have a God with these gracious invitations to follow him with our entire life. But... The stubborn mule at times doesn't respond to that sort of direction. So at times, maybe, maybe this has been you in your life. Maybe God at times has to take a little bit more drastic attention. Maybe David is thinking, I'm like the mule. And you know what God had to do for me? He had to get in his truck. He had to drive out to the field. He had to put the bit and the bridle in my mouth. And he had to drag me stiff-legged all the way back to the barn. <laughs> has that ever been you? I think if we're honest, maybe we all would say yes. That's not the way that God wants us to do things. And David is reminding us, don't be like that. It's an important, uh, it's an important lesson for us to hear. So, Let's you and I humble ourselves, come to the Lord in prayer, confess our mess to him, and accept, like needy farm animals, the direction, protection, and provision of our Lord and Savior. Amen? And it's all free. Here's what's cool, and I think, I think back to verse 3 and 4, it's the picture of David as a mule. You know, when he said, uh, you know, when I refused to confess, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long, day and night. Your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like the summer heat. One of the best things that we can do for each other is recognize that none of us are perfect. We're all on a journey toward uh, becoming more and more like Jesus. At times, we're all like stubborn animals. So we need to continue to relate with each other in really grace-dispensing ways. A couple of our values here. We always say we want to be grace-dispensing people and we want to be course-correcting people. We're going to be quick to give and receive grace. And we're going to be quick to make some course corrections if we need, right? And this might be one of those course corrections. I've been stubborn, God. Time to, time to course correct. Time to let the unsettledness of what we're experiencing this morning Help us take a step further into our relationship with God. So we need to be encouraging toward each other and giving each other space to be heard, to confess, to encourage, and point each other back to the way of Jesus. Amen? And can we do that together? Is that something that we can do as a church family and as followers of Jesus? I hope so. I think we can. So let's do it. Don't be like the mule. Pray to God, confess your sin, receive forgiveness, peace, protection, and direction. 
So as we come to the end of the psalm here, there's one more important lesson that David wants to leave us with, and that's this, that the psalm calls us to find a joy in the Lord. I love the way that this psalm ends. Uh, if we look at verse 10 and 11, it's essentially a repetition of verse 7, but um, that, that, that God will promise to surround all of those who trust in him. But it's a final command to be glad and rejoice. Look at what it says in verse 10 and 11. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Oh, Isn't that a great ending to what a journey we've been on in this one psalm, right? It's such a great uh, way to end this. When we find our freedom and direction in the Lord, we will find ourselves coming to him over and over and over again. And that's a good way to do it, and that's good news. We want to have this ongoing relationship with God where we continue to come to him. Renewing and repetitive joy is part of how the Lord works. It's part of what we need. If you've ever been a parent or a grandparent, you will understand the way that this works. Because uh, when children experience something that they like to do, what do they want to do? They want to do it over and over and over and over again, right? And it gives them joy. And as adults, we maybe after like two or three times, we're like, okay, that's enough. I'm done. Like, that was fun. But the kids want to keep doing it over and over and continue to experience this joy. And it reminded me of a fairly well-known quote from G.K. Chesterton. And he wrote this. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. (laughs) For grown-up people are not strong enough to find joy in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to find joy in monotony. Is it possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon? It may be, it may not be an automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never grown tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite and joy of a child, for we have sinned and have grown old, and maybe our father is younger than we. Our God is a God who wants us to experience this freedom and wants us to continually come to him to be renewed, restored, and experience this significant type of joy. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Worship team, would you come on back? So, as we end, this last thought, Let every one of us be willing to come to the Lord to pray, to confess our sin, to confess our mess to God while there is still time. And don't be like a mule that is stubborn and resistant to the way of the Lord. Let's experience all that God has for us. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for the truth of your scripture. Thank you for uh, the faithfulness of someone like David to put pen to paper and to write about this experience that he's had, to write about his relationship with you. Holy Spirit, through, through your scripture, inspire us, renew us, change us. You've called us 
to be your daughters and sons. You've called us to a particular way of life and we want to continually say yes to you. We thank, thank you for your grace-filled invitations. So Holy Spirit, may we come to you now and just respond. Show us uh, our, uh, any wicked way in us. Give us that moment and opportunity and courage to confess to you or to others. We want to become more and more like you every day and we just thank you for that opportunity. And so we just come to you these next uh, couple of minutes just in response as we sing this last song. We thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. And in your name we pray, amen. Would you stand and let's sing this last song together?